So probably by the time I am unashamed. What about you? I'm hoping it will not be raining. I'm starting to kind of get the feeling that I need to start building a boat. Maybe there's some kind of message going on. We, you know, we've been talking about Noah and the Ark quite a bit in the book of Hebrews. You know, we have had some rain. Hey, went, do you ever remember a rainier August it, than this? It went from a drought to a flood. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you're, I was going home yesterday from yesterday's podcast, which it has not stopped raining since then. But 36 hours straight. And, you know, our gate was open. And there was a trash can in the middle of the road. And I thought, you know, typical old man. I'm talking about the old man that I buried. My first response was, my the first two words that I got out of my mouth was, what idiot? Because I was going to say, put their garbage can in the middle of the road. And then I thought, the rain did that. Yeah. The then- rain carried Al's garbage can, so he was the... I was the idiot. I'd said idiot, which my apologies, Al, because I quickly realized nobody would do that. That the rain transported his garbage can. Was it full of garbage? No, they had emptied them. So it was two two garbage cans. Yeah. Both those. Well, were one of them was laying over. Yeah, that, that's why I figured it out. It had it had taken a ride down your driveway, made a turn. Of course, it's headed down to where where flood water goes, which is down to that the bottom pond. of the hill. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was headed toward that creek. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Luckily, it had some water in it. Yeah, or it would have been in the creek. That's right. I had one one fear. I got up. I looked at the grain gauge. Was a quarter of an inch yesterday evening. This morning, I heard it at all last night. I heard that rain. I said, hmm. I said, I believe it's that. That's that. I wonder how much it's rain, but I think it. So I got up early before I came here. I walked over. I got me a rain gauge set up there, three a little over three inches. I said, ooh, ooh. <laughs> the last time last year this happened about a month later, a couple of months later, October, we got a three three and a half inch rain, and the dump we've been working on the whole water. It just blew out one whole end of it. I mean, it was a, it was pitiful. I said, engineering flaw. <laughs> so this summer we just got it all fixed about a month ago. We went with the concrete love truckload after truckload on both both sides. You know, that we had gray rock on top of it, you know, cut little things around each end to make it work. So my engineer and I said, Dan, get over there. I told him that he he just gave me a report. I said, get over there and I want to see know what that water's doing. We got we got two pipes on it, big old pipe, forty eight inch pipes. We had one last year, but they overwhelmed it and cut the thing in two. But I've been telling Jace, you know, I'll be trying to scratch a little money out of him and Willie, like pulling teeth, you know. But uh, I wanted to know no, if my engineering, was, I, my engineering was up to snuff, but it was. So There's a Robertson trait that when something, <laughs> when there's disagreement, the argument keeps coming up. Yeah, It's not about getting the money. It's about being consulted before the project is completed. <laughs> Just so said money can yeah. with <laughs> overnight, overnight out. Look here, two pipes like this, about forty-eight inches a piece. Yep. Overnight, yesterday there were just pipes with a little trickle going through there. It's blowing it's through morning, there now, isn't it? It was two full pipes. I said I added another pipe. Last year I didn't have but one. Yep. This year I had two. I said. I've got to. I've got to. Mm. Which Chase, that means twice the cost. <laughs> yeah. Now, Willie and I, Willie and I got together, and I was. He made me feel better because the concerns I had, he completely agreed with. He's like, "Hey, now we we would like to have a seat at the table <laughs> before the project <laughs> begins." Yeah. If the money is, yeah. we don't want to wait after the fact. Well, oh. he sent some guy down there, and that guy said one hundred thousand dollars, and I'll have you a dollar. Well, obviously, that's I, too I, much. They told me that. I said, 
I said, no, we don't want to do that. Well, you know what we're I said? We're going to put you some metal walls. Oh, and, boy. They were it's going. about 35, 40 he, yards He long. told me that, Phil. You know what I said? I said, is the dump made with gold? <laughs> <laughs> is it chunks of gold? So is- we're out. We're out. And what was riding on that dump this morning, uh, and when I checked it, see if my engineering was, was in order, but, uh, we'd have been out about, I say we, I'm the only one forking enough money. <laughs> I, I've stuck about twenty-three thousand in that. That's so the second time. I he's stood brought. to lose about twenty-three, but I was going to try Phil. to please old Jason <laughs> Willie on out the door. You know, yeah, you got to like realize it now though that you're using the podcast to shame him into to give everything. This is one flood, Phil. This is one. You know how many is going to happen from this point forward? That's why. Look, I realize it's a hard thing to so do. Look. You got the dump now. It's just been put in. It's not even the fall yet. I'm gonna plant little bitty cypress trees on both both sides of that dump, to where the, the roots from them cypress trees are gonna help hold that thing together. See that now, Dad now, is married. You're gonna plant those trees just because it's gonna make you feel better about spending twenty thousand dollars <laughs> on a water. No, it's tree. to protect the investment. <clears throat> we have cypress trees. Them roots start going around, then then on dirt. It, that, that's what the beavers do. They build them a dam, and I look up after a few years. If I don't tear it out, I look up, and they got trees or button willows or, or okay. little, little well, Dad, you know. You're, you're pretty I, optimistic about your future. Yeah, you I like that. Did you know that the you know, you're always hearing about carbon emissions and greenhouse yeah. gases? The greatest carbon eaters on the planet, trees. The trees are what eat all the carbon. That's what they they take that. It's natural for the God That's put right. that here for that reason. That's right. So they're talking about all this imbalance, and they're right. You know, it changes weather patterns, but a lot of it's because we're clearing out, you know, whole areas of trees oh. for subdivisions. The and, new Green Deal is is uh, people been bowing down to the creation ever since God put them here. Right. I mean, they've got poles, and it'll have a lion's head on it, some kind of animal. You know, it's up on over somebody, their face. They all bow down to it. They've been doing that ever then. They're still doing it to this day. They they worship the Creator. Well, what's What's bad is we're going to get into that in the end. The Creator in the Hebrews, right? We know. get. I mean, we agree on a lot of things, but it's just the question is how do you get to solution? And that's where you get into some crazy stuff, you know, which is insane. Well, you see a lot of strange things when. It rains this much in a short period of time. I mean, this morning, I looked out my window toward the pond, and uh, something caught my attention. I looked, and there was two whistling ducks, Mexican tree ducks. Oh, yeah. That has come from Mexico. Yep. And, I heard them. And, and decided <clears throat> that they're going to make their family in that pond behind my house in yeah. the middle of a subdivision. Yeah. You know, they raise yeah. in hollow trees like the woodies do. Yeah. So, but what I found fascinating is there's so much rain that I guess they got confused because they were circling my pool. And they go down and go back up. I said, oh, they, you know, I need some decoys. (laughs) And so I was trying to explain that to Missy. And she's like, now what are they? I mean, they're from Mexico. I mean, are they, you know, but it was like. They speak Spanish. Trying to explain. They have big feet. Their feet are big. It was kind of like trying to. say they're good eating. I've heard they are. Well, is there a season on? I I'll mean, do they? That. I'll take that challenge. They're 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 part of the. They moved up from South America. Oh, okay. Well, check this out. They had a little one in the pond. I'm sure they there was a brood. Yeah. Oh, Only yeah. one survived. There's one. So that it's a little little family. Yeah, the barmers are, are bad on them. Yeah, the coons and the and the snakes and everything else got alligators. Out. I can only do so much. <laughs> Hawks, owls, eagles. Yep. Vermin. Something's feeding on them all the time. Yeah. Well, as, you know, I noticed <clears throat> when you drive in the neighborhood, Jace, one of our neighbors, before you get on our street, it's been so wet that he has a grove of mushrooms that are growing that is about as big as this table right here. Yeah, they're in my backyard. I don't know what. what... I mean, that's from that all that damp, I guess. I mean, but yeah. I mean, I never seen one so big in somebody's front yard. It was, you could go out there. I don't know if they're edible. They're white. Certain certain ones are, but certain ones are sure. Surely, no, it's funny you said that because I I told the guy that runs that uh, recovery 
place. I said, I, I need one of your, uh, and he needs to, we need to make sure he's on the other side of the rehab <laughs> to identify what mushrooms these are growing in my yard. I was like, no, I don't want him, you know, putting them in his pocket. Yeah. I just, cause they're big. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got one. The Cajun's got a little. Bigger than a plate. They got a little thing. If it's this, you know, it's good. If it's that, it's a killer. I mean, yeah, they've got a little deal. Going. Well, there's one particular kind. I was watching a special on this the other day. I wish I could remember the name of it. That people come looking for them in Louisiana. Yeah, and um, because they're s- such a delicacy, they're really good. But I-, I can't remember the name of them. They grow in I'm ditches. Sure there's a there's a mushroom expert out there who you know hopefully came to Jesus at some yeah. point. Yeah. Well, so so unashamed nation, send us send us an email when you, with some. This one's white, the and one of them is the si- It's bigger than a dinner plate. Wow. I mean, huge. That, and it it just came out of my backyard. It sounds good if you could cook them down, you know, a little a little butter, whatever, cook them down. It, I, I love mushrooms, it but also, I, I've always been know, a little leery. You run down the street, you know, <laughs> frantically. Yeah. Wondering where your clothes are. If yeah. you see naked people running out of that place, that it's screaming. That's no that's, good. Uh, no good. But they're acting crazy without mushrooms, so I don't know. Yeah. Do they do they drink it? I don't know. How did that... No, I don't know. Well, you're, I don't you're know going either. down a road of which I, <laughs> I didn't. Well, I guess none of us have, have yeah, zero experience other than putting some mushrooms in the my, one of my favorite meals that we do. Yeah. Oh, here we go. In Louisiana, uh, bolets, bolets, oyster mushrooms, and oh, that's the one I was saying. Mushrooms, well, Shand, all common Shand, in the wild. Chanterelle, that's the one oh, I was saying. Prize, okay, this this one on the right, that's what I got, but a bigger version. Well, I could have ate that thing. Especially tasty, it says. There they are. That's them. Yeah, the chanterelle, that's the one I saw that's like people come here from other states to pick them because they're really good. Well, man. Now, there's poisonous white mushrooms in the yard. That looks like my neighbor's stuff. Yeah. Hmm. I should have. Uh, I may get when I get home and take that mushroom and then get the round steak Brown around steak, put the mushrooms and the onions in it, oh, put it in the you. oven. Oh, you bet you What bet. do y'all call that? We eat that from time to time. Oh, yeah. I don't know. So like a stack, meat Other stack. Call it, call it good eating. <laughs> Speaking of great meals, uh, Jessica, Jeff's wife, because they, you know, we do beans and rice once a week. Yeah. And they said, look, now that we've moved back, they want to get in we, on that. We're well. They just said, "What's the schedule for that?" Because they they want that every time we do it. You know, no, Missy makes that cornbread. There's something. I mean, it, it's a it's a happen. So so they decided to do a trade. Cause, so she's been bringing meals down and sampling them. So it's like we, y'all y'all got that. That's going to be a part of our fabric of our our existence from this day forward. Yep. The beans and rice and the cornbread, we're in. They're there every time we have them. But they said, we want to bring something. So like one night we'll have. So they've been trying things. Well, she she hit she hit one last night. Because, I mean, it's all been good, but it hasn't been worthy of a day of the week for the rest of our life. <laughs> it it didn't. It hasn't risen to the level of in the slot, in the, in the yeah, rotation. The beans and rice, Missy's beans, she's got the, you know, some kind of seasoning from South America, and she's got the cornbread. Something yeah. has happened there that yeah. people, it draws people like, oh, yeah. man, it's awesome. It's my favorite meal we got going. It's a great way of practicing but, hospitality. The Robertsons aren't famous for it. So well, Jessica, and even enjoying your, your brothers. Hang on, Jason. Let's take a break. So I'm excited to talk about one of our sponsors we hadn't heard from in a while, and that's Moink. Which, Jace, that's Moo plus Oink. Got it. Got it. We, we learned what that was the other day from Zach when you put two words together. So Moink is their name. They're a meat subscription box company, and they're really on a mission to fight for the family farm. Uh, they're located in rural America. They're run by an eighth-generation female farmer, hmm. which is fantastic. Uh, I love that because I love the idea of legacy. Uh, they deliver grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb. You got pastured pork and chicken, uh, Alaskan salmon or salmon that comes straight to your door. Uh, so they're the Moink farmers. They farm like our grandparents did. 
which we, Dad, you can appreciate that. Yep. Uh, unlike the supermarket, they give you total control over the quality and source of your food. Uh, you can get ribeyes to chicken breasts to pork chops to salmon fillets. A really great group. Uh, Shark Tank host Kevin O'Leary called Moink's Bacon the best bacon he's ever tasted, which I love me some bacon. So keep American farming going by signing up. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com, M-O-I-N-K-B-O-X.com slash Robertson. Right now, listeners of Unashamed are going to get free filet mignon in every order for a year. Jason, I like the sound of that. That's one year the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. So that's moink, M-O-I-N-K, box.com slash Robertson. Check them out. So she brings a meal last night. It was in a little Tupperware. I called her Miss Lottie Da. Well, let me tell you, Miss Lottie Da <laughs> knocked it out of the park. She did? She just she said it was a beef stew. Beef stew? And now, when you hear beef stew, you ain't jumping up and down. <laughs> and I just took a spoon, and, and just the soup part of it, when that hit my lips, I said, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Let, I said, Let me look what we got in here. You know, now the components. And I saw some little potatoes, and I saw some beef that looked like a very quality grade of beef. This a lot of times when people think soup, they throw in the everything they carved off. Well, the, I found out later yeah. that this is four filet mignons oh, cut up in this thing. Yeah. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. we had some green beans, and there was some carrots, and there was a few other things. You know, I mm-hmm. saw some celery. I'm going to tell you now, I, I, it was one of the best things I have ever eaten in my life. Yeah. I and wonder if she uses I, mom's soup recipe. It was, I, I actually said Her mother this. Now, now that really you put me on the spot. Yeah, she can. Her I mother. said, you took mom's soup. She took it way up and up. up Obviously, she cut up some filet mignon. I mean, that's that's next level. I wouldn't even, who would think of this? (laughs) What kind of mind would think of doing that? (laughs) So we have officially got now two nights of the week, Al. So if y'all want in. Well, our night will be steak night because, so my daughter has gotten into a pattern, uh, Nan. She goes down to Brookshire's. With the old, there's a handful of old people that go down there. And so, what it, it, Anna's figured out at seven o'clock in the morning, they put out meat that needs to be sold quicker because they've had it you know, a bit. And so, it's, it's not, it doesn't go in the regular bin. Well, when they do that, they cut it down about half price, which these days is about what it should be. But that's all your prime fillets, your prime ribeyes. But most people just don't buy that because it's still expensive. But Nan, so every day she comes home with anywhere from five to ten steaks, and so we eat yeah. steak pretty much. Everybody's got to have somebody like Anna in their family because she's the same woman that'll stand in line three hours for a king cake. Yep, that's handmade. Yep. I mean, she and just, buy one for you, and not just as a gift. Just, just like brings it, she sets sent it on the table. Of she, course, she sent me a cake the other day. I don't know who brought it in there, but they said Nan sent you. A, uh, plain cake. She made it for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what keeps that coming, Phil? He's a very serving. Whenever one. I see her, whatever money I got on me, I give it to her. <laughs> Smart. I never say what it's for. Well, I, I just look up every so often, and there's some goodie on my table. But it's kind of like you, Jace, because you were saying when you came in today She's that not me. Like a lot of people. Oh, I know. I'll try. She goes, she goes ahead and takes it, doesn't she? Oh, she takes it. Oh, yeah. She don't even say thank you. She just <laughs> puts it in she her just, She just nods her head. We and have an on. agreement here that I like. Without All a right. word being said. But, yeah. you know, you were saying that this morning we were walking in. You were saying, talking about Mia sending you a worship song at 630 before you even woke up, you know. And you yeah. were talking about how, man, you're like, when your kid does something like that, you know, you feel pretty proud of him. But I'm like that with Nan. She's, I mean, she's always been a very loyal kid and now a grown woman's but she's only been married 20 years which is hard to believe she is a hard worker she works hard she's very loyal she's good to people and so you know when your kids grow up to be good adults it makes you feel good you know oh, you better believe it oh, she's a quality human being yeah. you know back when i was kind of running duck commander she was the best worker 
out of the whole lot. She's I mean, been there since know, she was 15. Dave. I'm talking about she worked in the warehouse when I was there. Yeah. And, I mean, she'd outwork any man that we had there. Oh, yeah. You know? And and she, she never, never stops. And never said a word about it. Mm. You know. She still does. She, you know what's amazing? Most people probably don't know this on the podcast. Nan was, she was 29 weeks when she was born. So that's like 11 weeks early. And this is in 1986. So it's not like we weren't quite as advanced as we are today with, you know, neonatal unit. She weighed less than two pounds. She was 12 inches long. And she had heart surgery. She had heart surgery a month into it because she was losing weight. Because she, they, you know, when you're born early, sometimes those ducks don't tie off when they're supposed to. Yeah. So he, that Iranian doctor, he was the private physician of the Shah of Iran. Really? Yeah. And so you remember in the 80s, they got them all out, you know, when they got the, you know, yeah. hostages out. Well, he came out with them and he winds up in Monroe. He's a renowned working on your daughter. Working on my daughter. He can't speak hardly any English. He's trying to explain to me what you know, I'm twenty one years old. He's trying to explain to him what he's gonna do. And the nurse is kind of halfway interpreting. But the one thing I did get, he said he had to go in and tie off this duct, and the duct was the size of one single cat hair. You just think about that for a second. You you know, you can't even hardly see a cat hair. Yeah. And so that's what he did. And so she started gaining weight. So what I'm saying is, and, and look, we were in there every day, and a lot of people can relate to this, and we'd come in for a shift. Back then, you could only go see them three or four times a day. And there'd be the, the bed that was right here that the baby was here from yesterday, no baby. This was every that, day. That one didn't make it. That one didn't. And so, I mean, you're watching this in real time every day. So you realize the gravity of the situation. This is your child. And yet to see her grow into the woman she did, and then she had three big old nine-pound whopping babies yeah. herself. And you think, man, God created an amazing thing. All, all female. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I reminded no, I Stone, the, the boy that married her, I reminded him <laughs> that the Lord was punishing him for his past transgression <laughs> by giving him a house full of women. <laughs> I guess he did me too because that's all I have. He said, well, boy, he sure put it on me. <laughs> But his daughters are like woods women. They, they, they. Oh man, that BK, she's something. She, she's got a little bit of you and mom in her. Yep. She'll, she'll kill something in a heartbeat, and she then she'll bake cook cakes. It. Yeah. She's, she's quite the she's deer quite the slayer. Woman. Well, you know, you're proud of your kids. You hope they turn out good. You do the best you can with them, and then you got to turn them loose, right, Dad? Well, I'll tell you, boy, something. Y'all did uh, remarkably well raising your children. I know it was a hassle, but I mean, it, it's just the way it is. Well, somebody, I was on somebody else's podcast recently, and we were talking about the, the power of generational faith. And I was telling them, I said, that, that's the one strength that goes through it. And we had it, but it went back to your parents. I mean, we got to yep. spend time with them. We were kids, and Jason and I especially, we spent the most time with them. And I'm telling you, that makes a difference. They imparted wisdom into me that then I was able to have in the banks. And then when I got lined out, I'm able to pass that on. Yep. <clears throat> and now Jason good, and I are the patriarchs in our own crew, you know? That's a good thought. Because when you get to 12, I mean, you 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 realize this, you know, the hardship and things happen in life. And it's going to happen. And, and maybe the weights that, you know, when he said, let us uh, throw off the, you know, the weights that hinder and different translations, uh, you know, have different phrases and the sin that so easily entangles and, uh, which is what we're going to talk about, you know, for the next couple of podcasts. But, you know, he goes on down and he has this beautiful picture of in verse seven, enduring hardship as discipline, God is treating you as sons. And, uh, it made me think that, you know, God is the, the perfect father. He's the perfect parent in his wisdom, in yeah. his actions. He's never going to guide you it, down the wrong path. So, I mean, here we are. We try to be parents, do the best we can, but let's face it, we all make mistakes. Right. And I think acknowledging those at some point is is helpful, you know, with your kids. Yep. I mean, because I think, you know, when they're teenagers or when they're right before teenagers, it's all hands on deck. It's a battle. You, you don't have time to acknowledge the mistakes at that moment. You're not even noticing them. Right. But I think if your heart's right, you do the best you can and, and you have your priorities right, which is, you know, your number one job should be to get them to heaven. That's right. Number two, to 
you know, love their mom or, you know, if you're a woman, love your, your husband and, uh, and then try to put them in positions to succeed, you know, for the kingdom and for the family and, uh, and how they treat other people. But you're still going to make mistakes, but it is a great thought to realize that God's not going to make any mistakes in his parenting of us. Right. And, uh, so, uh, so that, that's where you get back into this trust thing, especially when things are not pleasant or life seems difficult. Yep. So, and that, and he's, and by gonna, the way, he's going <coughs> to get into that. Uh, let's take a break. So one of the things that, uh, guys tend to notice is, uh, when they're losing their hair, um, you, you tend to kind of want to hide that sort of thing. You're wearing more ball caps, you know, whatever, you know, just to try to deal with the idea about going bald. And it's, it's not a pleasant thing, especially for young men. And uh, one of our sponsors that's been with us uh, from the beginning is a, is a company called Keeps. And, Jace, we've always kind of laughed because we're, we're like the hairiest people, you know, on television. And yet, you know, we, we talk a lot about Keeps because we'll – men to keep their hair. And, uh, and we know that hair, hair loss can be tough, especially for young men. So keeps is a clinically proven FDA approved hair treatment that's available online. So you don't have to go somewhere, no waiting rooms, you know, it's safe. They have physicians that help you select the right product. Uh, and they're also available 24 seven. If you have any questions, they're going to deliver your product straight to your door at about half the cost. So if, uh, if you're losing that hair and you're young, especially, uh, you might want to check these guys out and keep it. Go to keeps.com slash door. You're going to get 50% off your first order. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash door. Keeps.com slash door. By the way, Jace, that's how you break a generational curse. You just said it. So, because I've had people say, well, you know, that's great, your family and all. I mean, that must be great to have, you know, generations of faith and trying to work your way through. But I had a terrible father. I had a terrible situation. But my thing back to them is what all that's all the more reason you need to trust God mm-hmm. because you may have had a crappy dad. I get it. But what I'm saying is he's the perfect father. So he can help you break the generational curse where then you're not a crappy dad because that's what happens when it passes on. So, yeah. Well, that verse 10 says that. Uh, It says, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best or, you know, for their one version says uh, something along the lines of, you know, from their perspective. Yeah. Which they get something out of, I think, is the implication there. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. Now, you just think about that. He, he's, he's only allowing this to happen or, or doing this for your good. I mean, right. and it, it's not just a cliche. Right. You know, we, I've, I've said that to my kids. I'm doing this for your own good. But right. in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I'm kind of enjoying this myself here. <laughs> and I'm not sure this is going to work. Or I'd Well, be, well it's, like, it's like when you discipline your children for making too much noise. Part of it is because they're getting on your last nerve, right. you know, but part of it is because they don't need to run around like a bunch of, you know, wild horses, yeah. you know, settle down. I mean, Dad used to always say, calm down. That was, you know. But see, my, my wife helped me, you know, with what I thought was yuppie ideas when when we were having our you know kids which we have a little one now but uh because i remember one thing that she did that i thought was really impressive that we never did because we always in our family everything was a response you know you you go somebody's house and you cut up well let me tell you something the hammer's coming down (laughs) when so it was like everything you responded but i remember one thing she did with our kids even when they were little I mean, old enough to understand the English language. But she would be like, now here's what's fixed to happen. She'd sit them down. Like, we, we're fixed to go to somebody's house. And here's what I expect from you. And she would lay out the expectations before we ever went in the house. And you know what I noticed? The behavioral protocol. <clears throat> is that they followed the guideline. The, you know, it, yeah. it's like once you had... Now, so if you didn't have the conversation... It, you then responded, and I thought, "Well, that was genius. Where, where, where did you come up with that?" She's like, 
what do you mean? I mean, I read parenting books. I, you know, they you need to they need to know what's expected when I go down here. I get out you know? some. That's what yeah. she said. But I don't know. That just popped into my head. So you're next to the oldest. He's a four point old brain, but he's out. You know, you know, raising chickens in in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, shows you that he, God, God he, also he has a forward sense of maybe humor. just a little bit to get out of the chicken business. Or he's made like this. You know, I, I think it's, I think it's. Uh, there's some genius in that. You know, you go study. Oh, you, you get a degree. Oh, walking down you the get road. A, I mean, he's. You uh, get a degree in philosophy, and then you say, you know what? Not much better than. Sitting on a porch raising chickens and goats. <laughs> it sounds like to me he kind of took First Thessalonians, first Thessalonians 4 <laughs> to heart. He'll find his way. There's he some, won't end up some, doing food some, raising chickens. Nope. He's going. I, I like raising chickens. Yeah. Know, I, there's a simplicity involved in that. Oh, I know that, it. But... That is, uh, you know, I think it's real. Uh, what does it I cost mean, these days to get a couple of degrees? I'm just saying, you know, if you, if, if you get out. Of course, here I am talking, you know, I have a couple of degrees. I ended up sounding like building devices that sound like birds and fishing. That's what I'm talking selling about. Selling fish. So it, maybe he, maybe, my he, education maybe he's was, like you, Dad. Maybe he All it gave me you. was was a little bit of insight into the world's education system. I wasn't, wasn't very impressed with it. But. Well, we, I was talking about this with, with uh, Carly's, um, her boyfriend, because he's a young man. He's about to turn 18. Kind of always had his mind on going into the military, but now, you know, he's kind of got roots here and got a girlfriend. He's not sure that's what he wants to do. But I was telling him, I said, look, you got to figure out what you want, what you can do for, for a while. You, you don't want to be doing something you hate. I mean, you have, yeah. sometimes you have to for a bit, for a season, but you don't want to be there for 30 years. So you got to figure out something that, you know, I don't mind doing this or I like doing this and then commit, make your commitment there. But I said, you know, you're young. You got to, you got to. So majored in philosophy is that? Was that it? I mean, <coughs> or did he have? I thought he had a few. Oh, more he had a couple degrees. of. I mean, he was doing other degrees. stuff. He had one and something else. Philosophy and Bible. Bible. But what I'm saying is, you uh, you realize that I think life itself is. God's way of educating all of us, and uh, which is kind of the point of Hebrews twelve. He he uh, graduated from Pepperdine, right? I mean, what I'm saying is, life is the classroom, and so I think you need that balance because you know where's the verse says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It's more who you know is what I've concluded, and that knowing that God knows you. But sometimes you have to aim them too, like this. I was telling you about Joey. He likes to work. He likes to be outside. I mean, he helped me when he went down to the Southern Lair. I mean, a guy like that probably needs to work with his hands for a living. I mean, he's good at it. He's strong. He doesn't mind doing it. You know, a lot of people don't want to work outside. It's hot. It's this, that, and the other. But some people are just good at it. So I, I said, look, you can own your own company. I mean, I, I tell you what, you know, when I every time I move into a new house, guess who I call? I got to call an electrician. I got to call a plumber. I got to call a, this guy, a, that guy, and they're people that work with their hands, and they make good living and good money. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. When you think about the that Acts 17 passage where it said that God, you know, gives us life, breath, every everything else, He determines the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. He did this so that men would seek seek Him and reach out for Him and find Him. So I, I mean, I truly believe that God. As a the ultimate parent uses life to educate and direct people towards him. Yeah, and so, I mean, sometimes you know you can go study all you want, you can learn, you can be smart, but some of the greatest ideas I ever had was sitting on a porch staring at some chickens. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or you know, on a crawfish farm, or because uh. I mean, when you when you know the creator. And the creator, and you know that he knows you, you tend to look at this thing from the bigger picture. And so what we call the elite in our society are some of the dumbest people you'll ever meet. And selfish. <clears throat> yeah, just self-absorbed. Yep. You know, I mean. Absolutely. So these Hollywood moguls or these, you know, the the most successful stockbrokers, what are they going to do with it? Yeah. What are you going to do with it? Well, and then they're the ones that have this guilt 
complex about them, about whether it's minorities or somebody else, and they come up with some of the worst policies you've ever heard and divide people. I agree with you there. That's well, you just get they're into not a, helpful. No, you, in our when you get into a building bigger, bigger barn yeah. type mentality, or you know, trying to change society in, in some way that you feel that would be beneficial, but. You still don't have the answers. To uh, you said it the other day, Jason, on the other podcast. Where, without Jesus, what have you got? At the end of the day, you're in trouble. Let's take another break. Well, well let's read those first three verses. So I've we, been wanting to get here since we started. This is a great chapter, and it's a great follow-up. And from your outline that you gave us in the last podcast, so this the hope is a is a big part of this. You start with chapter yeah. 12. Yeah, chapter 12. It says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and we kind of discussed that, I think that distracts people from the greater meaning here because people then ask the question, oh, well, are these people watching us? So I think a good question is, what did they witness? Right. And... I it's obviously talking about the people we just talked about in Hebrews but 11. Think, well, what did they witness? What what did all the all the people in Hebrews 11 that are, that are mentioned, what exactly did they witness? Because that's what I think he's talking about. He so so first, what, did they, what did they witness? The first thing that they witnessed was, I think, because he said, since we got a lot of people looking from somewhere, let us throw off everything that hinders. Or the things that weigh. They, they had witnessed that. And the sin that so easily entangles, they had witnessed that. They, they're part of it. They, they had their ups, they had their downs. They had their frailties. They had their mistakes. Well, and let us run with perseverance because it's, a, it's, a, it's not a 100-yard dash. The race marked out for us. Then he just says, if you keep your eyes up on Jesus, that sin thing won't be near as detrimental as it is if you're without him. Without him, you know, I don't need that. Well, so I, here's my line. God gives you over to a depraved mind. Noted. So they witnessed promises made, okay. promises kept. Now, that that's what I think. The I think the overall point is that. Is that and and you saw God's faithful? They saw God's faithfulness in it, right. even though they didn't. Because think about Noah. And some the of them, it took their he's whole like, life. <laughs> it took like, Noah his whole life. He's like he Bill. Come, he gets back right there to the gospel to Jesus right here. Yep. All right, but but think about. So I think that's what he's saying. There's a transition here. That they saw God keep His word, as difficult as that was. I mean, think about the little details of the story abraham having a son at a hundred because it was based on a promise so they and, and saw the mistakes that. made by all of them there yep. were mistakes well, that's made true. but they saw i mean noah he said build the ark wow there's rain coming well did the rain come yeah yeah he saw god keep his word yeah so basically when you get to jesus it's the same i mean we're using all these moments and all these stories as a foundation and they're witnessing God keeping his word and witnessing his faithfulness and his character in these things as a foundation for believing at what God said he would do through Jesus. Same. Right. It's, it's that, that's the, so don't think, Oh, they're witnessing us. They're all, no, no. No. They were witnesses of God's promises, and we're surrounded by that. In the spiritual realm, yes, you know, the spirits of, of men that God has made perfect. We're going to read that in the end of chapter 12. But more, uh, more is just like what I said about the football analogy. These, you know, in the Hall of Fame, people that have gone on before you, same faith, different promise. I mean, same ultimate promise, I guess, but a different way of looking at it because now it's promised to us in Jesus. I mean, that's why the only together with us would they be made perfect. Well, that's Jesus. Yep. It, it went backwards. Which is why that individually, no matter what promises they personally got from God and saw in their lifetime, everybody received the promise of salvation through their faith because of Jesus. And that's why, that's why I said it was with us. Well, that's why I brought up yesterday that little 
pointing to the, these verses, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's yeah. why I said the first thing John the Baptist, when he saw all these so-called religious people, the teachers of the law, the high priests, and all of them, they were all there together. I mean, the first thing he did is said, you brood of vipers. And from that point on, I mean, they got on Jesus like a mad dog on everything he did. You know, he's, he's, he's violating the Sabbath. He's blaspheming. He told some guy his sins were forgiven. He said, you know, he, he doesn't have the authority to do that. They just couldn't. And, and, it, and the Hebrew writer said, you need to be watching that and see how that works because get ready because your day is coming when you'll be attacked right. for doing what's right. That's right. No so, about well, it. Jace has made the point before, and he's right. The You look at this, what the Hebrew writer, this is a watershed moment because he's basically saying there were witnesses for the first 3,500 years of this history because he goes all the way back. You know, it starts at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Abel, you know, and it comes all the way forward. And now he's saying there's been such a seismic shift because Jesus has come. Oh, yeah. And now said the promise is available. So now the last 2,000 years of history, this is the era of witness up until right to the moment we're sitting in. Well, y'all took this hook, line and say, I was hoping you'd do this because I figured out a way, I think, to explain what you just said from the biblical perspective. Because if I finish reading this, so he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And this is going to be a key component, this next phrase, in explaining this. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yep. Of course, then it said the verse you just read, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So I w- Hang on, let's take a break. So based on Hebrews 1, 3 also, where he introduced the book saying, you know, God spoke various ways, but in the last day he spoke to us by son, by his son, uh, who who through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. You remember this. He's yep. the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things through his powerful word, which is what we're talking about. Is God's word true? Is it impossible for him to lie? If he says something, well, all these people are witnesses that, yep, it's impossible for him to lie. Whatever he says, he'll do. But then it says, after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Why does this keep coming up? Mm-hmm. Jesus sitting at the right hand of heaven. You so have I, to have it. I think I figured this out. So if you go back and look at Luke's account of the ascension in 24, 44, and I'm just going to make a point. I'm not going to read all this. You can do it in your own time. But my point is going to be in Luke's account in the book of Luke, it, it seems like we're looking back. We're like, you know, he, he raises his hands at the end and he's basically saying farewell. But he also in 44 said that, now this is post-resurrection, his appearance right before he leaves. He says, this is what I told you while I was Still with you, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. So they're all grasping with what has happened. This is basically signifying the end of Jesus's earthly stint, right? Yep. Well, the narrative kind of changes when the same guy, Luke, when he gets to Acts, all of a sudden it's all forward looking because we're getting to the right hand of God here. And you say, what do you mean it's forward-looking? Oh, man. Where's my where's my section of Acts? You're in Acts 1? Yeah, but I yeah, got to find pages my there. section here. Here we go. So, <laughs> so then he says in Acts 1, in my former book, uh, Theophilus, which we just read, I wrote about all that Jesus, when I, 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 I'd never noticed this phrase before, but it says, began to do. And he was taken up to heaven, which is Hebrews, you know, we're here in Hebrews 12, and this is significant because he's he's making a point about this new era. And so 
then everything seems to be forward-looking because he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm, a, you know, I, it said he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and uh, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And then he talked about pouring out the Holy Spirit. So, uh, you know, in verse 9 is, is a famous thing. You know, after he said this, he was taken up and a cloud hidden from their sight. But then you remember these these two men, uh, angels, they said, look, he'll come back. It's still forward-looking. And so you say, well, what's your point? <clears throat> My point is this, this new era signified what Jesus is doing now. And especially when you get to the end of Hebrews 12, you know, it's like you've come to, the, look, look at what you've, come to what you're a part of it's not like jesus left and he's gone it's like he went to sleep or i I think a lot of people believe this he's like no i'm gonna give you i'm gonna supply the power and so what did these people do well they went out and started sharing jesus oh yeah through through his power and, and even in Hebrews 2, you remember it. Whether says, they were being the, killed or not. Whether they were being killed or not. And uh, I, I think that's the part that somehow we miss, I guess, that God is working now, present day. He, he's yeah. not. Th- this is what he called us to do. This is the promise. This is the trust, our little adventure kind of like the hall of hall of fame that we read it's these almost like we're, we're ambassadors representing him as god were making his appeal but you know us. you made this point yeah. before dad we were talking about the section we we're talking about the all the terrible things that happened to him but do you realize that for the last two thousand years i would venture to guess just because there's way more people there have been far more people martyred for the name of Jesus, oh. then were martyred earlier before he got here. You are correct. I mean, he mentions that group, but think about it, because it all started with, in the first century, and we saw it. And Jay uh, said it the other day, there's more people killed today uh, in certain parts of the world than were even back then. Look, so, there's about 50 or 75 of them, that's all. There wasn't that many of them. The founding fathers, they've got it down to about five, six, seven of them. But if you had asked those men, what are you doing? They would have told you. We're representing Jesus on earth, planet earth. That's what the founding fathers would have told you. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have said we're the founders. They would say, oh, you're mistaken. We're not the founding fathers. Our founding father is God. Yeah, that's right. That's what he. That's what they would have told him. It's the beginning of the Declaration of Independence. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think what my point is, is like, so you take John 14, for instance, where he said, you know, in my, in my father's house are many rooms, and I'll go, you know, prepare a place you and you remember that conversation thomas was like well how do we know the way and you know he eventually said i'm the way i'm the truth i'm the life but i think he was saying if you know me you know the way well right but my point is i i'm just making a different point which is i think most of us and and i was kind of guilty of this until i was reading this last night we tend to think like oh jesus is gonna prepare a place for me for when i die but it hit me last night that no, he went and prepared. He's preparing a place for us while we're alive. Because mm-hmm. I thought about the Colossians three. It says, "Since you've been raised with Christ, set your mind on things above." Well, when after I die? No, right now. And and I think that's his whole point in Hebrews that they were failing to miss. They were coming out of a system that was leading people to God because of our lack of being able as humans to keep a law, to perform on a godly level. And so he's introducing Jesus, and now he's trying to say, look, Jesus is right at the right hand of God. I mean, not only did he die for your sins, not only was he res- resurrected, but he's here supplying the power. You can have God's Holy Spirit. And this is the new era. So you have the whole book of Acts, and used to, I thought that was, they named it Acts because it's Acts of the, of the Apostles. But now I feel differently. I think it's the Acts of God through the Apostles. 
That's what it is. Yeah. God is working. You know, he, the whole time in John, G- Jesus kept saying, you know, the Father's working. I'm at work. I must do my Father's work. The Father's working. Well, are we to believe that all of a sudden he stopped working? No, no not at all. And I think that's, that's what Al was the... talking about a while ago. I mean, the, over the last 2,000 years, Al, there has been a giant part of humanity, including our, our founding fathers, they were godly to the core of their being. I don't yeah. care what these naysayers say. Well, they made mistakes. Well, that's, that's they, they watched if the human race is sin. We've seen that. We're all aware that sin's a problem. He mentions that. Right. But he said, but as far as I'm concerned, you read about people like our founding fathers, it's just amazing on how godly they were. I mean, they were godly men. Oh, exactly. Well, that's what I was describing is what is the race? The race is is that God is our Father. There is discipline involved, but He's our Father. He's a perfect parent. We have Jesus at the right hand of God, and the significance of that is that He showed us that a human, because He became a man, could enter heaven. Yep. And that's what the uh, recipients of the Hebrew letter were having trouble wrapping their head around. We're like, well, wait a minute, we're not doing some sacrifices just to appease our sins and God provided a sacrifice himself that we now as humans can enter heaven. And as long as he's there. And remember, what did he say he was doing there? Back in Hebrews 8, 9, and 10, he's there as the high priest. Yeah. So he's working. That's, In other words, he's working on our behalf. have that written That's down. I, I don't want to be so redundant, but it needs to be. It's like uh, the third president of the United States. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal, endowed by God. I mean, these were godly men. They made mistakes. They founded the greatest nation on earth. And we're looking at that, and it's a, it's a little sneak preview on Hebrews chapter 12. Yeah, but just think, Phil, as a human being, all of a sudden there was a human being here who has entered heaven. That is now a possibility. Well, if I was a human being, I would say, you know what? Because he's at the right hand of God, do I have hope? (laughs) It's it's more than hope. It's it's an assured hope. It's like he broke the wall down of, of the dimension that I'm now trapped in, which yep. is this planet. The fourth wall. All right, so we're out of time, uh, but we're going to expound on this a, a bit more in overtime. If you want to follow us over there and catch some more of this discussion from Jace's epiphany, uh, you can do that, uh, blazetv.com slash unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube, and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.